Today, I talked to the author of the book, Catalytic Leadership. William Attaway is on a mission to help you and I to find the roadmap to growing as a leader. You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today, we have an amazing guest. We have William Attaway. And William is the founder of Catalytic Leadership, a company that helps leaders to grow intentionally and helps leaders to thrive. We're so excited to have you here, William. Please let us know who you are and what you're about. Priscilla, first let me just thank you for having me on your show. It's just an honor to be here. I am a leadership coach. I'm a pastor. I have been for the last 25 plus years. But before any of that, I'm a husband and a father. I've been married to my wife for 24 years. We'll celebrate 25 later this year. And we have two daughters. So one who's just graduating high school later this week, actually, as we record this, and one who's finishing up her freshman year. That's a little bit about me and who I am. What is catalytic leadership? I wrote the book earlier this year by that name because that has been a theme that has been running in my life really since the early days. I had a high school teacher who saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and invited me to start to develop that and learn and grow. And that started a journey that has never stopped. I was hooked and I became a student of leadership, read as much as I could. I learned as much as I could from as many people as I could. And that has been a process that's really carried me my entire life as I began to to learn and grow and move toward college. I thought I wanted to go into pharmacy. Started down that track and made it a year and a half until I got to organic chemistry. And then I decided <laughs> this is not what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. <laughs> so I said, got to change gears here. But in my very brief chemistry studies, I discovered the power of a catalyst. A catalyst is something that you introduce to create significant change. It accelerates or incites significant change or action. And that creates a significant impact. As I've reflected on that over the years, I think about all the great leaders that I've learned from. And in every case, they are catalytic. They want to make a significant impact. They bring significant change and they accelerate change. They incite change. That's what it means to be catalytic from leaders in education to leaders in the government sphere, government contractors to from people who are solopreneurs and entrepreneurs to people who are in the C-suite of large corporations. In coaching all of these different leaders from various and sundry different places, what I've discovered is that there are principles. And so the book's capturing 12 of those from all of those coaching conversations conversations over the years and from my own journey. My leadership journey has extended now over 30 years, and that has obviously a lot of learning in that process for me. But it also captures principles that I've learned as I'm coaching other leaders from their context. And, and so what I've tried to do is capture those in such a way that it feels like we're having a conversation over coffee across the table. And I wanted it to feel that conversational so that other people could benefit. As I look through the principles in the book, there are a couple that do jump out. The, the first one in the book, the one that I think is the non-negotiable when it comes to catalytic leadership or really leadership of any kind is what I call an intentional teachable spirit. Choosing to see every circumstance, every environment, every opportunity, everything that happens in your life as a teachable moment. What am I going to learn from this? I think you can learn something from anybody. Sometimes you learn what not to do. It's all about your mindset. It's all about your perspective. 
And so choosing to have a teachable spirit is the beginning. That's the one non-negotiable when it comes to catalytic leadership. Another one is discovering your wiring. You know, every one of us is created on purpose for a purpose. We have specific wiring. We are designed in different ways. You and many of your listeners might be familiar with the Myers-Briggs, right? And you look at this and it defines a little bit about your personality. You might be familiar with the DISC profile, right? It defines a little bit about your personality or, or the strengths finder or Patrick Lencioni's new and the working genius. Your wiring is, is your skills, your gifts, your talents, your personality, all the things that make up you. But your wiring is different than mine. Understanding and discovering your wiring is key because how on earth can you get better if you don't understand what the benchmark is, where you start, right? If I'm an introvert, if I'm a natural introvert, if I try to force myself into the shoe of an extrovert and force myself into that mold, I might can do it for a season, but it's not who I am. When we're young leaders, we will often try to copy people that we admire, right? We try to emulate them. I've watched people emulate them and everything from how they speak to how they dress. Over time, you have to discover your own wiring. You have to learn how you are designed and you have to lean into that and focus on being the best version of you. But it doesn't stop there. That's where it starts. But then as a leader, you have to discover the wiring of those you lead. All of my direct reports, for instance, I meet with every week. And some of those conversations focus around, you know, what what's in your heart? What are you aiming at? What are your goals and your dreams and your passions? I think my job as a leader is to help you achieve those. So let's talk about how we can get there. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Maybe it's in this organization. Maybe it's not. Maybe you have something even bigger. Great. My job as a leader is to pour into you and invest in you and help you to develop. And you know what I've discovered over time and what so many of the leaders I've coached have discovered? That when you walk into those conversations and you begin to discover the wiring of those you lead and begin to lift them up and help them move toward their goals, they work harder than ever for the organization they're a part of because they feel seen and invested in. They feel like that you see them as more than just a cog in the machine of the organization, but you see them as a person, a 3D person who has hopes and dreams beyond what they do. What really caught my eye when I was learning about you is that word catalytic. Hmm. And I realized that's it. That's what you want to be as a leader because there's so many theories out there about leadership and so many ideas of what it means to be a leader. But I thought this one I felt was something extra special. I love everything you said. I could have commented on everything. Thank goodness my voice was going away. So it stopped me from doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'll start with this. Since our audience is early entrepreneurs and you may be starting to get a team and starting to experience yourself as a leader, maybe for the first time in that sense of a business leader, and you're looking at how to unlock potential in your team. How do you unlock potential in your team? Because I think for the first team you start off, you know, early entrepreneurs, you probably can't afford the most experienced person. Right. But you can afford the most passionate person. Yes. And now it's your job now to really, really unlock that potential that you see in them. And how do we do that? I think that starts with listening. It's, it's a very mm. underrated leadership skill, but one that you have to have. You have to listen, and you have to listen to more than what is said. You have to listen to, to what's under what is said, and that takes time. You have to get to know somebody. You have to see them as a 3D person. You have to see them as, as a person who has a life outside of what they do for you. And, and I've discovered that when you do that, 
that makes a big difference in the dynamic. I work a lot with young and emerging leaders. There's just so much potential there. And I think that's partly because, you know, someone once saw potential in me and wanted to invest in me. And so I've tried to, to do that with other people to see potential in them. If you as the leader begin to see potential in those you're leading, when you begin to invest in somebody in that way, you begin to give them opportunities to, to learn and to grow and to thrive. Whether it's a book you're going to read together and then discuss or a, a workshop or a seminar or a conference you're going to attend together and then discuss. Whatever it is that you're going to intentionally choose to do, that communicates value to somebody that you're leading, that you value them more than just what they do. You value them as an individual. You value them as a member of your team. You value them as a person. And I think that goes a long way with what you're talking about. When you said that making an investment in someone, that's it. Because you can't expect a return from someone without making an investment. That's right. And I want to ask you about your leadership journey. Like, How did you get to this point, to where you are teaching catalytic leadership. Nobody did everything on their own, right? Mm -hmm. People invested in us. People saw something in us. People spent time with us. I think it started with me going to that first conference, somebody choosing to invest in me and say, I want you to experience something you've never experienced. And that began a thirst and a hunger in me to learn more and to grow more. In every environment I've ever been, first in the business world and then when I moved into the local church, in every environment, I've sought out people who were farther down the road than I am, right, in that organization or in that field. And I would offer to buy them coffee or buy them lunch, and I would come with a list of questions. I just wanted to, to pick their brain, so to speak. I'm not going to live long enough to make every single mistake myself. I want to learn from <laughs> as many other people how to avoid some of the ditches that they stepped in. So maybe I won't step in that ditch. <laughs> maybe uh, There's plenty of ditches of my own that I'll step in, right? But if I can learn and I can grow by listening to other people, by asking the right questions, I might find the right answers. So that's been a part of my journey, listening and learning from as many people as I could about as much as I could. Sometimes that's through their books, through their writings or through their speaking. Sometimes I get to do that in person, like I say, over coffee or over lunch. However it is, I want to avail myself of every resource I can to learn as much as I can, because I think then and only then am I equipped to begin not only to implement what I'm learning, but also to pass it on to other people. I think we have a choice as individuals, as leaders. We can either be a reservoir of everything that other people have invested and poured into us and hold it all in for ourselves, or we can be a conduit of that, and we can allow that to flow in us and through us to other people around us for their benefit, not just ours. I think when we choose that path, when we choose to be a conduit and not just a reservoir, I think that makes a tremendous difference in the lives of those around us. But it also drives it deeper in our own heart, in our own mind, and in our own leadership. I'll take you back a little bit. When you talked about one of the principles being understanding your own personal wiring, that was very interesting to me. And I think really, really important to our audience of listeners. How does your personal wiring impact your leadership? And I think a lot of times we see this negatively, and I'm sure this can also be positively as well. Understanding your wiring is the first step to leveraging it for the benefit of the team and the organization you're a part of. But you have to understand it first. Like I said before, the temptation is to want to be like somebody else that you admire. And so you begin to try to, to wear their persona or wear their skills and their gifts and their personality. You can do that for a time, but not forever. You know, you have to be you. You have to be the best version of you. 
There's already one of them. We don't need two. So you have to learn to be you. That's discovering how you are wired. What's your personality? An introvert trying to be an extrovert or an extrovert trying to be an introvert, that's not helpful at all, right? Because you're not being authentic. And authenticity is a key factor when it comes to leadership, particularly catalytic leadership. You have to be authentic. You have to be real. If you're not being real, people will smell that 10 miles away and they won't want to be any part of it. They won't. We do fall into that trap, especially a generation of entrepreneurs where we read a lot of books yeah. and we try to do a lot of the things that people tell us in books and then we tend to copy and paste the things that we've right. found in books and we never take the time to really understand who we are. William, tell me, am I right in assuming that when you understand your wiring, you also understand that you're not the person to lead certain people? Absolutely. This is important. There are a number of different things that I'm looking for when we're evaluating whether to add somebody to our team. One of those is chemistry with me and with the rest of the team. If we interview somebody and they hit all the other marks, everything else is up and to the right, green lights everywhere, but there's not chemistry with the team, we don't move forward. We have turned more than one candidate down because it, there was not that chemistry. And that's a word that can mean a whole lot of different things to different people. So what I mean by that is exactly what you're describing. Sometimes there's just not a fit beyond the skills, beyond the tasks. That's okay. We have to acknowledge that and say, you know what? They're not a good fit here, but they're a good fit somewhere. And if we try to force it here, if we try to force a square peg into a round hole here, we're going to end up frustrating them and we're going to frustrate ourselves. And that's not going to help anybody. Our goal is for it to be a win for everybody. The only way to do that is to be honest and say, hey, is this a good chemistry fit for us? You know, I've turned down coaching clients because it wasn't a good chemistry fit. We do our initial call. We do our discovery call and it just wasn't a good fit. There was no click there. Okay, fair enough. That means there's another coach that there is a good fit with. And if I try to force it, I'm standing in the way of, I never want to do that. My goal is to help that leader be the best version of themselves, right? To learn to intentionally grow and thrive in their life and in their leadership. And if I get in the way of that, because no, 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 they need to be with me. I'm calling the wrong play. William, when you say sometimes there's not a right click, I really want people to really understand this for yourself and for your team. Like, what are you looking at when you're saying, are you looking at, well, let me let you answer that one. Chemistry is really, in some ways, kind of hard to quantify, right? It's one of those things you either have it or you don't. You know, we think about it in, in terms of dating, and often it doesn't take very many dates to realize if there's any chemistry there or not right? If there's not, you just got to call that and say, I'm not going to try to force this. In a workplace, it's not the same as dating. Obviously, that's a whole different ballgame, but there is a chemistry there. We like to laugh on our team. If we get somebody who comes in and sits and talks and they don't laugh, they don't joke around, they don't join the rest of us in, in our jolly mirth moment, <laughs> that's an indicator. Hey, this, this may not be a good chemistry fit. On another hand, if we're focused on something serious and, and we're talking, you know, in a little bit deeper level and they're just cracking jokes the whole time in a, in a way that doesn't fit, that's not a good chemistry fit there. If they are abrasive and harsh to one of the members of our team or to me, that's a sign this may not be a good chemistry fit. There's a number of things you can watch and you can listen for, but you have to have your antenna up. You have to be listening and you have to be watching. I'm rarely as intensely listening and watching as I am when we're evaluating somebody coming onto our team, because every time you add someone to your team, you're changing the DNA of your organization. You're changing the DNA of the team. Because you're, you're bringing someone else in who has all of their experience, all of their life, everything in their life is coming out and becoming part of your team. And that's going to change things.
So you just got to be really careful. As the point leader, our responsibility is to protect the DNA, is to protect the mission, the vision, and make sure we're going very clearly in the direction that we know to go. But that requires so much discernment as you're adding somebody new. And chemistry is a big piece of that. What has been your biggest challenge as a leader? Hmm. I think my biggest challenge as a leader has been learning what not to do. Uh, you know, early on, you have to do everything and you have to make sure all the bases are covered and you don't have other people on the team. And so you have to do it all yourself. But no one is good at everything, right? No one is good at every single thing. We have to learn what we're not good at and we have to stop doing it as fast as we can. We need to focus on what we are good at. I heard Marcus Buckingham talk about this many years ago, and he talked about how we tend in our culture to focus on our areas of weakness and want to bring our areas of weakness up to a level that is, you know, kind of par. Well, okay, I'm not really great in this area of my life. And if I work really, really hard at it, maybe I'll move from a D to a C. (laughs) Okay, great. I can do C-level work. Fantastic. (laughs) What Buckingham said, and I thought this was so well put, is Instead, we need to be focusing on our strengths. We need to focus on the things that we are great at, and we need to pour our time and energy into those things. So maybe we'll move from an A to an A+, right? You can move from being above average to world-class if you focus on your strengths. The only way to do that is to stop doing things as fast as you that you're not great at. That was a big challenge for me to learn, hey, I'm going to intentionally choose to develop and focus my time in such a way that I'm focused on the thing that only I can do, the things that are my greatest contributions to our team and to our organization. When I made that shift, that made a big difference. And I think our audience will be nodding and saying, okay, 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 that's it. (laughs) That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be world-class at something and not see it everything. Yep. So um, this is great. As a leader, you see, you know, so many situations where maybe over time or you do something that causes you to lose the respect of the people that you're leading, Mm. whether that's in your personal life or in your professional life. How do you move forward as a leader in such situations? I think it was Carrie Newhoff who said that character is built over a lifetime and is lost in a matter of minutes. And I think that's so true. Nobody will ever pay you, he said, to work on your character, but they will fire you if you don't. I think that is true. And too often in the life of a leader, we don't think about that as much as we should. We don't think about the internal work, not just on our skills and and abilities. and, and, And those are important. We should work on those things. But the character is the core. You know, that's another thing we look for in team members that we're looking to hire. Is there a core character? Is it solid? That matters a lot because it doesn't matter what field you're in. Obviously, you know, leading in the local church, that's a big deal. But leading in business, it's also a big deal. And leading in nonprofit world, it's also a big deal. And leading in education, it's also a big deal. It doesn't matter what you do. Character is a big deal. We have to acknowledge that. We have to to see that and call it out and say, this is something that's really going to matter to us. I think that when you don't do that, when you say, well, this area of my life is not going to affect this area. And yeah, you know, my home's falling apart, but I'm still going to be world-class at work. We are trying very hard to lean into a myth. <laughs> it's, it's a myth that, that I call compartmentalization. In America, Thanksgiving, we have a lot of food, right? It's a celebration of Thanksgiving and, and gratitude. And we celebrate with just massive amounts of food. And there are these plates that they sell that have little compartments in them. So you have a compartment for your for your main dish and a compartment for your sides. And there's these little walls that are between them so your food doesn't touch. 
That's a, that's a wonderful thing. I like that. I don't like my food to touch. I'm one of those people. I think that uh, every food has its own flavor and it should be enjoyed. I know it all gets mixed. I get that. But up here, I want to taste it individually. We think our lives are like that plate sometimes. That there are these walls that separate the different parts. And what happens over here doesn't touch what happens over here. Guess what? That's a myth. The fact is, we are unified creatures. And everything touches every other thing. Every part affects every other part. And if you think what happens at home doesn't affect what happens at work, or that what happens at work doesn't affect what happens at home or in recreation or any other part of your life, you're buying into a myth. And eventually, you're going to discover that. And most of the time, you're going to discover it the hard way. We have to we have to recognize that. We have to acknowledge that. And we have to call it out when we see it and say, no, you know, in fact, what is going to happen in this part of my life is going to affect what happens over here. So I've got to make sure that I'm going to focus on character and integrity all over the plate, not just in this one little section. I like the analogy that you use, that everything does affect everything eventually. Now, a lot of times as leaders, we put our leadership growth, our intentional leadership growth to the side. And we're focused on maybe pressures of revenue, of other return on investment metrics. How do we kind of begin to drive that people's desire to intentionally grow and thrive in that way? I think part of it is being intentional about it and saying that nobody is ever going to prioritize our development as a leader. Nobody's ever going to prioritize that except me. And nobody's ever going to prioritize yours except you. Yeah, you may work for a company that has a department, an HR department, and a division that focuses on development and all this stuff. But you're a number. You're a name on a piece of paper right? They're not going to prioritize your development as a leader beyond what they're going to prioritize everybody. If you want to develop, if you want to grow, you have to choose that. You have to decide, I'm going to make this a priority in my life. And the fact is, every one of us has opportunities that abound. Podcasts that we can listen to anytime we want to. Books that we can check out of a library or we can purchase on Amazon and have shipped to our door, whatever, you know, conferences, workshops, seminars, so many of which are available to us for free through the internet. We have more access to more information, more development resources at this point in history than ever before. If we're not Absolutely. availing ourselves of that, that is a choice. It is a decision. And what I challenge leaders to do is choose wisely here. The investment you make today will bear fruit in a year, five years, 10 years. Do you want to be a stronger leader 10 years from now? It starts today. You can't wait 10 years and say, I'll start then. Nobody, nobody wakes up one day and says, wow, I'm a fully mature, developed leader. How did that happen? I didn't mean for that to happen, but here I am. Nobody does that. The fact is, it's built over time. A friend of mine, Jonathan Milligan, says it this way. Consistency is the mother of momentum. If you want momentum, and we all do in every part of our lives, it begins with consistency. That's daily investment. Every day, I'm going to read something to help me grow. It may only be 15 or 20 or 30 minutes that day. That may be all I have, but I'm going to make that investment because it matters. And I'm going to make it again tomorrow, and I'm going to make it again the next day because it compounds over time. Don't let what you can't do stop you from doing what you can. Start where you are and take a step. Mm, they are great words. Now, since we've been talking about books, what is the number one book that you would recommend, William, to a new entrepreneur? You know, I think one of the most formative for me has been Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. And the ones mm. just before that that he published, Built to Last. Both of those talk about organizational health and dynamics in ways that I found incredibly enlightening and helpful. And as far as the development of teams, the development of an organization from wherever you are. 
you really can't pick up any book by Patrick Lencioni and not benefit from it. His books on organizational health and development, fantastic. And I think entrepreneurs can benefit. Death by Meeting is one of my favorites of his. Often we find ourselves in meetings and those meetings can feel interminable if they're not done well. And so many of them aren't. And his book Death by Me was so incredibly helpful when I was trying to craft how we're going to do meetings. Uh, Mark Miller is another one. Mark Miller was the Vice President of Leadership Development at Chick-fil-A and so many great books around development. It's hard to pick just one because there are so <laughs> many good ones, but those three authors, you really can't go wrong uh, if you start with them. Jim Collins, Patrick Lencioni, and Mark Miller. Oh, thank you for those recommendations. I can tell that you're a passionate reader. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing catalytic leadership with us, William. Please, my last question is always, what has faith meant to you on your journey? You know, I'm, I'm a pastor, and I've been a pastor for 25 years in the local church. And that has informed so much of how I lead and what I lead. Obviously, leading in the local church is very different than when I led in the business world, or how I lead as a leadership and executive coach for my own company now. That is the foundational bedrock is how I would describe faith. It is the starting point. If you were to take that away, everything else crumbles. It is the single most important thing in my life, my relationship with my Heavenly Father. And so I think that informs everything I do, everything I say, every way I coach and write and lead. It's that foundation. It's that core to who I am. Thank you for sharing that with us, William. Now to the audience, please Get a copy of this book and you can go to www.catalyticleadershipbook.com. Now, William, I think you have something special for podcast listeners, so I'll let you tell us about it. Yeah, if you go to that website, catalyticleadershipbook.com, I would love to put a copy of this book in your hands for free. If you're in the continental U.S., you pay the shipping and handling, we'll get you a physical copy of the book. If you're outside the continental U.S., then you can get a digital copy of the book. But in either case, that same website will get you either, either way. I want to put this in as many hands as I can. And so I'm offering your listeners a free copy of the book because I want to see leaders choose to intentionally grow and thrive, choose to be catalytic. And I think it starts by learning and benefiting from the wisdom of other people. And in this book, I've tried to capture so many learnings that I've picked up over the years from others and from my own journey that I want to share with as many people as I can. I'm getting my copy because... Catalytic leadership, that's the way. Thank you so much, William, for your time. And audience, please make sure you make use of this resource and let's intentionally grow and thrive as leaders. Thank you. Thank you, Priscilla. For more information, freebies, and clips from various episodes, please follow us on Instagram at Reinventing Perspectives or go to our website, www.reinventingperspectives.com. Thank you so much for your time. We absolutely value your time. And even more, we value your feedback. Don't forget to leave us a review. Thank you so much and see you again next week. Mm -hmm.